Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, May 10th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Emerging market currencies are tumbling. Goldman Sachs is hitting the pause button on new SPACs. It sort of adds another nail to the coffin for SPACs themselves. And Volkswagen CEO had something to say about the war in Ukraine. Plus, Sinn Féin has become the biggest political force in Northern Ireland for the first time in more than a century. We'll take a look at what that could mean for the economy and for the reunification with the rest of Ireland. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Currencies are tumbling across emerging markets as the Federal Reserve raises U.S. interest rates. Higher U.S. interest rates means emerging markets are relatively less attractive to investors who are pulling out of riskier economies and shifting to the safer U.S. financial system. China's renminbi fell to its weakest level against the dollar more than 18 months on Monday after data showed slowing export growth. Brazil and South African currencies have fallen back since their initial boost they got from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which helped commodity exporting countries. And India's central bank yesterday reportedly intervened in markets to support the rupee. A leading index of emerging market currencies has tumbled by more than 4% since early April. That's the biggest drop since the start of the pandemic. Sources tell the FT that Goldman Sachs is pausing work on new SPACs. Those are special purpose acquisition companies, basically shell companies that collect investor money, list on the stock market, and then seek out companies to take public via merger. They're like backdoor IPOs. And they were huge during the height of the pandemic. But now U.S. regulators want to bring them in line with conventional public listings. And that's making SPACs less appealing to Wall Street. Here's the FT's Hortensa Aliai. Goldman and its rivals have essentially had free reign on the market up until now. They've been able to help SPACs list with very little recourse if something goes wrong with, with, with a SPAC or with a merger. And what the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission wants to do is introduce liability rules for banks or for underwriters. So if you have someone like Goldman who's underwriting a SPAC IPO, they would also be held liable for the eventual merger and the company that the SPAC merges with. And that makes banks a little bit more nervous about working on SPAC deals. Goldman's move comes at a time when the SPAC bubble has already deflated and another big underwriter, Citi, has also pulled back. Hortensa calls Goldman's pause another nail in the coffin for these shell companies. I think it will probably end up going back to where it was before this big ramp up in issuance that sort of started in 2020, just after the pandemic. You know, they were kind of sidelined um, in the world of finance. And it was typically very small, relatively unknown investment banks that dealt with SPACs. And it probably in time will retreat back. That's not to say the the biggest Wall Street banks haven't had um, a fun time there. They definitely have. and, And they've made a lot of money from SPAC fees. But considering where the market is now and how little interest there is in it still from investors, uh, it seems a little bit of a foregone conclusion that this was bound to happen, especially as regulators came down on it a little bit harder. Hortensa Aliai covers mergers and acquisitions for the FT. (laughs) 
Northern Ireland's Sinn Féin party won a historic victory in parliamentary elections over the weekend. Sinn Féin was long associated with the militant Irish Republican Army, or the IRA, but it's reinvented itself and wants to unify Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. Here's the FT's Jude Weber. I mean, it's very significant, the fact that Sinn Féin are the biggest party because Sinn Féin is a party that is committed to Irish reunification. This is its guiding star principle. Um, so they would, in the symbolism of a party that does not believe that Northern Ireland should exist, is leading a government or, or co-leading a government in Northern Ireland. So that's interesting. Will it open the door to Irish reunification? Well, certainly not immediately. The party leader, the party president, Mary Lou Macdonald, she's talked about a sort of five-year, sometimes five to ten-year time frame for uh, preparations to be made so that there can be referendums on Irish reunification. Um, the other thing to bear in mind, if a referendum was held in Northern Ireland that um, did not find a majority for Irish reunification, then another one couldn't be held for another seven years. Okay, so it sounds like they really have to get the timing right. But during the campaign, Sinn Féin and its leader, Michelle O'Neill, did not talk about unification they focused on the economy and cost of living issues. Uh, what's the plan now? Sinn Féin played it very safe in their election campaign. They didn't want to say anything that might alienate voters. So they didn't stress, they didn't talk about Irish reunification in any way. Um, they stuck very clearly to the cost of living issues. This is a time when people are, a lot of people are choosing whether to eat or heat, you know, eat or, or heat their homes because of inflation. So that was one main strand. And the other one was the National Health Service, which it actually has the worst, the longest waiting lists in the United Kingdom. So um, there's an, an awful lot of work that needs to be done there. What Michelle O'Neill has said, if they get the chance, they want to have the economics portfolio because they want to make changes to the way that InvestNI, which is the agency that attracts investment, they want to make changes to the way that is run and they want to be able to unlock funding that's already provisioned for in a draft budget but can't be spent because there's no executive to unlock the funding. So they want to start giving people money in their pockets to combat the cost of living crisis and also tackle the health service. Jude Weber is the FT's Ireland correspondent. The CEO of Europe's biggest car maker spoke out on the war in Ukraine yesterday. Here's Volkswagen's Herbert Diess. I think we should do the utmost to really stop this war and then get back to negotiations and get back to uh, trying to open up the world again. Diess was speaking out to the FT's Joe Miller at the FT's Future of the Car Summit. Joe joins me now to talk more about Diess's remarks on Ukraine. Hey, Joe. Hi. So, Joe, at first, I'm not going to lie, I was a little surprised that these comments were such a big deal. Um, because who doesn't want an end to the war in Ukraine? Uh, well, you're right, actually. On the face of it, this is a pretty unremarkable comment. I mean, we all really want this war to stop. And eventually, I suppose, there will be negotiations uh, at, at whatever point the war does end. But these comments come at a time when uh, European leaders are trying to put on a united front after some of them, particularly Germany, took quite a while to arm Ukraine and to hammer home how Russia must be defeated militarily. Uh, they're trying to put on a united front and you have a captain of industry, perhaps one of the most important business leaders in Europe, saying, 
I agree that this war is terrible, but it really needs to come to an end sooner rather than later. And that means getting back to negotiations. And this really runs counter to the rhetoric that's coming out of Berlin, Brussels and Paris. And that's why it's really caught people by surprise in European capitals. So then who was Dees addressing with these remarks? European leaders or, you know, Russian President Vladimir Putin too? Like, who was who this meant for? Well, interestingly, that was the response from uh, Ukraine's ambassador. Uh, you should go and tell this to Putin. A man, he said to Dees, a man you know well, because VW has done business in Russia in the past. And he said, Dees should call on the Kremlin to immediately seize combat operations against the civilian population of Ukraine. And that's very much the message uh, that was coming out of Ukraine in reaction to these comments. Um, But I think looking at this from the business point of view, it's not a a message to Moscow to say that, uh, you know, VW doesn't treat the war with the same severity as political leaders. It's a, you know, perhaps overly business-like way of looking at a conflict seeing the direction it's going and thinking, why can't we accelerate the path towards this settlement that will inevitably come, in his view. Joe Miller is the FT's Frankfurt correspondent. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit from a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.